0: It's calm and always right When I feel your face Testimonies morning of what God is doing today. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Did you know that you might be sitting beside a police officer today? Or an accountant? Or a fireman? Or ugh, a pastor? The list goes on, but did you know you might be sitting beside somebody like that? And it's interesting because we don't know it until all of a sudden they don their uniform. And it's interesting because when a man becomes a soldier, he takes an oath, but we don't know about it. But we know that he's a soldier, or the general public does, however, when he puts on his uniform, and now we see through his uniform that he is indeed a soldier. That's kind of what we're looking at today, is we're looking at, in a similar realm One becomes a Christian by believing and repenting, while baptism is kind of like putting on a Christian's uniform. That's the initiation of, I here I stand, and I'm a witness to everybody around me that I'm standing and loving Jesus Christ. It's an outward act portraying an inward change. So you can't have it the other way around. So it's an inward change, now that we portray it through an outward act. And in baptism, a new Christian tells the world that he's become a follower of Jesus, A baptismal service is always open to the public so that the Christian may proclaim uh, to the world the decision that he or she has made. So today we're going to continue on in in this uh, series called Radical Disciple, Being a Hardcore Disciple. And today it's following Christ through ordinance. And ordinance is just one of those words again that I throw out there so you know I have some education. I got to have some of those big words. Ordinance is a totally Christianese word, which I told Alan, don't use Christianese in your testimony. And he says, what's Christianese? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's Christian words that nobody else uses. So an ordinance, let me tell you, a working definition is here. It's an authoritative decree or direction. It's an order. It's a law set forth by a governmental authority, or it's something ordained or decreed by fate or deity, or a prescribed usage, a practice, or a ceremony. We in in Evangelical Church and Evangelical Free Church of Canada, we have two ordinances. Guess what they are? Baptism Baptism and what? Communion, Communion, that's right. So those are the two ordinances. Those are the things that we put out as a ceremony or a practice or a prescribed usage. We're going to see in a bit that some different kinds of churches call those sacraments or sacramentalism, which is still different because they believe something different happens, but we see them simply as... A powerful image given to us to remember through communion what Christ has done for us, and also through the um, looking at baptism. It's a symbol of dying, being buried, and rising again in new life in Jesus Christ. Here's something controversial, but don't throw rotten fruit at me. It's F.F. Brute said this F.F. Brute said, There is no such thing as an unbaptized Christian in the New Testament. There is no such thing as an unbaptized Christian in the New Testament. So, you got a problem with that statement? You got to take it up with F.F. Bruce, wherever he is, right? But that's kind of interesting to me. So, on the heels of that statement, turn with me to Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. And here we go, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, and Philip was a God follower, a lover of Jesus Christ. The angel said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, the God follower, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran. Did you get that? Philip ran beside this chariot. I love it. He ran up to the chariot and he heard the man speaking, the man's reading Isaiah the prophet. And he goes, do, do you understand what you are reading? Nah, he's running beside a chariot. So he's trying to catch his breath and he's saying this And uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in his comfortable chariot says, well, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to me. So the Ethiopian eunuch, very important guy, invited Philip to come and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shear is silent, so did so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Well, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him about the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't you wish you were like a fly on the wall, of that chariot? That is awesome. He takes this book of Isaiah and he parses it out so that through all this incredible questions that this eunuch had, he presents to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and lo and behold, the eunuch said, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I'm sure that's why you're, what you're asking yourself this morning. There's water and it's warm. Why shouldn't I be baptized, right? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Isn't that a great story? It has some mystery about it. I mean, imagine that, like running up to a chariot, running alongside a chariot that's ripping down the road, and then he's, he's opening up the gospel to him, and then when he's finally baptized, the eunuch probably turned like I did to Alan to give him a hug, and all of a sudden Philip was gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he didn't go to the school, or he didn't get an encyclopedia or a dictionary going, how in the world does this happen? What happened to Philip? I want to know the scientific. No, man. He went on rejoicing on what had happened and that his eyes had opened to what Jesus Christ had done on the cross for him. Incredible. And as soon as he was understanding this, and Philip, no doubt, was going to passages like Matthew or whatever, right, talking about baptism, the eunuch didn't say, well, I think I want to grow to know the Lord a bit more and, you know, get some of my stuff together, maybe in 10 years. Man, that guy sees a puddle or whatever he saw on the side of the road. What is stopping me from being baptized? I love it. I love it. So here we see that Philip was obedient to the Spirit. So here Philip is going about his day and he's doing a lot of public ministry and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God calls him out to private ministry. He's not interested in crowds and glamour and all that stuff. Angel calls him out to a private. Nobody saw this kind of ministry and there he used them in a powerful way. Using them in a powerful way. I love it. Something in here for us that Philip exemplifies is Philip was obedient to the Spirit of God. And that's actually one of the characteristics of baptism. Stepping out in obedience because God said, be baptized, therefore I will be baptized. And here Philip was that fantastic example. He left whatever he was doing publicly to obey the Spirit of God. And you know what, my friends? He's calling us to do the same. He's calling us to be obedient. Just like Philip was used in this mighty way, he's still in the same business today. He wants to use you maybe publicly, definitely privately, but he wants to use you. And we're going to parse that out in a little bit more as time goes on. So the Ethiopian eunuch, he proved his faith by quick obedience, by his baptism in obedience to the word of God. So who should be baptized is a question that I came up with. I'll take you through some who, what, when, where, and why kind of deals. Who should be baptized? I would say whoever has a vital relationship with Jesus Christ, has asked Jesus Christ for forgiveness, knowing that we can't do it on our own, and now has put Christ at the center of his or her heart instead of my own whims and desires and pride. Does that mean you're perfect? Not a chance. I think Alan and Michelle nailed that that they still have ups and downs, but they desire to put Christ at the center of their life. So a bapti or a, 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 who should be baptized is a disciple who learns about Jesus Christ, makes that life-changing decision to trust him exclusively in a personal relationship and to follow him in obedience. So when should we be baptized? Right about now. When you come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it seems as though baptism's right around the corner. So we don't have to spend a lot of time on that point. What is baptism? Well, let's delve into that just a little deeper. Just a little deeper. It symbolizes our burial, our death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ, and a change of heart, and I'm gonna throw in there, a change of spiritual appetite. Alan nailed this. He used to have an appetite for stuff that's... Not good But Jesus kept dangling the carrot of baseball So there he is going for for the carrot And then all of a sudden he catches the carrot But he catches more than the carrot He catches the carrot giver The Lord Jesus Christ It symbolizes our death Burial and resurrection with Christ in a change of heart and spiritual appetite Colossians chapter 2 Verses 11 to 12 Say this and in Him, in Jesus Christ, you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you're also raised up with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. In the Old Testament, you'd have something called circumcision, the big C word. If you don't know what it is, talk to Pastor Ken later on, please. But... <laughs> Now he's interested in circumcision of the heart. It's not just a physical thing. It's a what's happening in the heart. Have you been changed? What is the outward symbol? What is the symbol that I am a God follower of Jesus, or I'm a Jesus Christ follower? He wants circumcision of the heart, a changed heart, not just an outward sign of it. A heart softened and and turned toward the things of God. It symbolizes, baptism symbolizes our death to sin and life towards God. Uh, Great passages, Romans chapter 6, 1 to 7. Check that out at home. But the one that I will read for you is Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You know how many times we get tripped up on thinking about stuff in the here and now. It could be what you're going through right now. It could, be, it could be through some of the failure you're experiencing. It could be a lack of finances. It could be like thinking that God has forgotten you. I don't know, maybe you have a rebellious kid. Maybe you have a marriage that isn't too tight. Here he says, you've been raised up. So he uses these verbs that aren't just, okay, accept Jesus Christ and move on. He goes, no, accept Christ and keep on seeking. That's the kind of verbs we're talking about. Keep on. Press on. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and then set your minds on the things above, not on the stuff here on earth. That's another thing that baptism symbolizes, that we're putting to death our old appetites. We're putting to death me, 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 and up from the water symbolizes a newness of life. I no longer live for myself but I live for Jesus Christ. It symbolizes the pledge to God of a good conscience. So here we kind of had the full meal deal of Alan and Michelle going fully into the water and coming up, so they don't have to be rebaptized ever because they've been cleansed is the symbol. But 1 John 1.9 says, um, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's not the big dunk anymore, but there's a, a, a short order of keeping things in line with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know things aren't right between you and others, or if you have been going again for your human or earthly appetites, those are ways to say, Lord, you're faithful and just to so forgive me of that. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And we've heard it in the last few weeks. Matthew 28, I love it. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We can't separate those two verses. You can't say, go make disciples and baptize them, period. He goes, go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe. That's huge. Philip exemplified it by obeying the angel or the Holy Spirit's leading and running off beside the chariot. And then now the eunuch also understood it. Ding, light goes on. I need to get baptized. Obedience, obedience, obedience. And that's another thing he's saying in Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to observe or to obey the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Last week, we talked about that. How cool it is that Matthew, the end of Matthew talked about how he's always with us. And at the very beginning of Matthew, he says, and he will be born to you and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. God with us, bookend. God always with us, bookend. That is a good deal. So what is baptism? Baptism it's an English word formed from a similarly sounding Greek word named baptisma, which means baptism, so it's the noun and the verb de- baptizo, meaning to baptize. So it's not, you pretty much know Greek now, right? That's all there is to know about Greek. Those two words, bam, you're in. Everybody wants to say that, right? Baptizo, go ahead. Not. Nice. Ooh, this guy even put a baptizo. Wow. Well done. Baptism. So rather than a translation, the English word is actually a transliteration of it. And it actually means it describes sinking ships that were submerged in water. That's what it means. And that's why we kind of practice and favor the old dunking routine because it makes sense if the word means a a sinking ship going under, well, that's kind of what we're doing, a sinking person going under. But thankfully, we're not like the Titanic, we come back up. (laughs) Praise the Lord, right? It's a word Jesus chose when giving his disciples the command known to us as the Great Commission or Matthew 28, go make disciples. And... It's interesting because alongside that, he also gave another Greek word, which means to teach or to instruct or to be or make a disciple. So it's not just telling people about Jesus and then moving along. I was really pumped about your witness. In in first service, uh, each candidate had a witness to talk about how they've seen them grow in Christ and also to encourage them. What was your uh, witness's name? Scott. So Scott was pretty cool because Scott has been meeting with Alan weekly that's awesome that's what we're talking about it's living life together opening up the word together what does this mean together not this individualistic nonsense we need each other togetherness that is making a disciple when people were baptized in the Jordan they were uh, first of all they came to Christ and they were baptized in the Jordan and they were often and quickly run out of town you know that? So here, it could be Alan and Michelle, I'd I'd baptize them, and no sooner could they dry off than they hit the road, ran out of town, because it was not popular to be a Christian. People hated Christians. Kind of like Alan said, it seemed like a cult to them, so they wanted to extinguish Christians or beat them senseless so that they would shut up. So when people came to Christ, it was a scary decision. They came, I believe in Christ. Well, that's obedience. Okay, let's get wet. Boom, they were baptized and now they were people, they were saying to the world, I am of the way. I am a Christ one. Well, their life could be on the line. It was a big deal. And I do think today, and I'll share this with Alan, that I still think today when you stick your neck out and are baptized, I still do think you're, you're opening yourself up to some interesting stuff out there. Over and over and over, I've heard people that went and get baptized and make that decision to follow Christ they're tempted like crazy afterwards or they run into stuff that they've never run into before it's spiritual warfare stuff you guys not only on a spiritual level where some stuff happens that we can't explain but also even culturally do you think it's popular in our culture to be a a Christian that actually has some convictions and values no we're running against the grain We're running against the grain. So just like the Christians in the New Testament were baptized and sometimes hit the road, we too got to be on guard. That we've been called to something, we're standing up for something, that means that some folks won't appreciate that we're standing up for something. But I love it because in the New Testament, what would happen is when they were baptized and often quickly run out of town, what happened after that? They fled, and therefore, Christians fled. Therefore, the gospel of Jesus Christ hit the road. Therefore, new churches were planted, and Christians were all over the place. So, in order for them to smash out Christianity, when they hit the gavel on those Christians, they spread out. And now they spread, help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's pretty cool. What is really striking to me about being a Christian, um, and publicly declaring through baptism that we identify with Christ is the awesome reality, my friends, is that Christ chooses to identify with us. That is awesome. That's worth an amen. Come on. That's incredible. Now where you go, Jesus is there. You represent Jesus. So baptism is defined as this outward expression uh, of an inward condition, and the evangelical free church, which we're a part of, says it like this in our statement of faith. God's gospel is now embodied in the new community called the church. We believe that the true church comprises all who have been justified by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. They are united by the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, of which he, Jesus, is the head. The true church is manifest in local churches whose membership should be composed of believers. The Lord Jesus mandated two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper which visibly and tangibly express the gospel. Though they are not the means of salvation, I underline that, these are not the means of salvation, when celebrated by the church in genuine faith, these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer. So I believe that this may give a good answer to the question of whether baptism is a, is a sacrament or an ordinance. Remember, we said it was an ordinance. It is a symbol, something that we do to remember and to celebrate. And the sacrament is kind of like, well, let me read it for you. Uh, The definition of a sacrament is a Christian rite, like baptism or the Eucharist or communion, that is believed to have been ordained by Christ and that is held to be a means of divine grace or to be a sign or symbol of spiritual reality. It's a religious rite comparable to a Christian sacrament. Another way is it's used as that belief in or use of a sacramental rite, a belief that sacraments are inherently necessary for salvation. So, do we believe that if you love Jesus? So, let's say you've taken the sermon today and you're going, wow, man. What Pastor, that's incredible. And you walk out of here and you're going like, I love Jesus, but I haven't been baptized. And you get hit by a bus. <laughs> Boom, that's it. Too bad, so sad. Well, no, right? And there are some churches that believe that. If you ain't baptized, oh no. But the fact is, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with him, you are going to be moving toward obedience. One of that is he said, believe and be baptized so get on with it right it's a way to show this relationship that we have but we do not say in the free church that it's a sacrament or something that we need for salvation but let me tell you you take ordinance which is a word that we kind of look at celebrating and remembering you take sacrament which seems to have the power behind it I would like to almost I haven't taken time to make a new word But I'd like to jam the two together. Because there is truth that sacrament in that word, there's power. And there is truth that there's celebration and remembrance in ordinance. Now, when we, the the guy in um, Pacific Community Church, which is the Lions Church down the road in Cloverdale, I like it, he talks about the grace of communion. And he doesn't say grace as in it's a cute little thing you say before, before lunch nor is it grace of the gift that Jesus gives us so we can abuse being a Christian. Grace, he says, is also a very power-laden word. It's something like the carrot of, uh, of baseball that Jesus Christ empowered to draw Alan to himself. There is something powerful. So folks, is there something powerful about this, the cup, and this, the bread? I'm going to say yes. And you know what it is? One of the first things that comes to my mind is obedience. He said, Remember me. So we're stepping out in obedience. And let me tell you there is power in obedience. There is power in obedience. There's power in obedience. So I want to conclude with this, and then we'll go to communion. The angel could have told the Ethiopian official how to be saved. You know what's that? what we looked at today in Acts? It was the angel that went to Philip. Why go all those steps? The angel should have just said, yeah, Lord, I'll take care of this one. But no, the angel goes to Philip, and then Philip has to be obedient. We see obedience all over here. And the angel could have told the Ethiopian eunuch how to be saved, but God has not given that commission to angels. He has given that commission to you and to me, to people, to his church, to the hope of the world right here on earth, you guys. Isn't that awesome? So he's giving you that opportunity. He's giving you that grace and that power. He's giving you that privilege. He's giving you that privilege. God sent his son Jesus, to die publicly for us, which was an act, an expression that was deeply embedded in his heart. Baptism is an opportunity to publicly declare to the world the impression and the change that Jesus' sacrifice has made on our hearts and our lives. So have you been baptized? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So that's the, the, the one of the ordinances and now in this awkward transition is when we we're gonna have the, 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 the testimonies and the uh, baptisms. But now with that in mind, especially of obedience, I wanna direct us now to another ordinance. As you're thinking about baptism and you think about obedience, the ordinance of communion. With communion... Okay, with communion, we first of all, we start with something called the unbroken bread. So you have this wafer or this loaf, which usually symbolizes the unity of the body of Christ. Although there's many members, we are one in Jesus Christ. And this is powerful. So all around the world, there's churches everywhere. And really, that is the, the church, the body of Jesus Christ. Peace portals going at it right now. Grace Point, White Rock, the village, and we're one body. We can skip over all the provinces, the countries. We're one body in Christ. So when we start with one wafer or one loaf, we're showing that we're the unity of the body of Christ. We're many members, but one Jesus. And then we break them. And the breaking of bread shows the broken body of of Christ and the death on the cross. And the cup is the symbol of Christ's shed blood for us, a symbol of a new covenant or agreement between God and us under the Old Testament law or Old Covenant, Emphasis was placed on pleasing God and man's sin. The new covenant emphasizes grace and a relationship with Jesus Christ. So those are the symbols and the significance really quickly is it's a remembrance of what Christ has done in his life, in his death, his burial and resurrection and ascension. It's incredible. It's a remembrance of that. It's a proclamation of what he's done. So you're proclaiming to people the good news, the hope of glory that we have. It's an, an assurance of a second coming. Just like he left and he ascended into the clouds that one day that we read about, he is coming back. He's coming back and he's coming back again soon. And this is a reminder. This is why we have communion. And also, it's a time of fellowship where we get together together. And we center ourselves once again. We kind of brush off the stresses of the week and we all come together with all of our different backgrounds, all of our different worries, all of our different situations. And we proclaim and enjoy communion which draws us together. Lastly, who can share in the Lord's Supper in this ordinance? My friends, the only people that can share in the Lord's Supper are perfect people. Just kidding. It's people that have initiated an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You aren't perfect. In both testimonies you heard that it's not perfect sailing now. We still struggle, we still fail but the disposition of your heart is to move toward Jesus Christ. You're moving that way. There are times, I'll admit, that I haven't. I backed away from communion because I've had somebody on my mind that I just couldn't get over it and I still had not made up my mind to make things right. So I still had not given in to... Uh, so I stayed away. And I'm not saying you should do that, but what was cool about it is that really thrust me into the action of I want to make this right because I want communion with my God. So I had to do the business to make things right in my personal relationships so that I felt good about taking communion. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about me and my relationships. It's about the grace, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. What he did on the cross. So if that looks like you, if that means that you've had, you've initiated a relationship with Jesus Christ and You want to move toward them? Communion is for you. So basically today we're going to have communion. I'm going to have somebody up here and I'll be over here and I'm just going to invite you to come forward and uh, just before that, I'll pray and bless the the elements. And I just, as the music's playing and all that stuff, just you can take the elements back to your seat and in your time, enjoy it together. And then after that, I'll give you a, a, a benediction Uh, blessing for the week let's pray together Heavenly Father I thank you for what this symbolizes and we've already touched on the grace of our ordinances the grace of baptism the grace of communion both of them have power because you instituted them you told us to do it and there's power in obedience thank you Lord for the symbol of you breaking your body so that I didn't have to break mine. You paid for my sin. And I thank you for the, the cup, which symbolizes that you were willing to, to die. You were willing to shed blood to cover my sin, to cover the sins of my friends here. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. So Lord, together we take communion. Together we are excited that we get to remember and proclaim what you've done. And Father, I pray that you would bless the folks that are partaking of these elements this morning and I pray that you would continue to be with them in their thoughts and the intent of their heart that this would be an experience that would continue to draw us closer to each other and closer to you. I pray this in Christ's name. Yes, the ones I you. I believe everything that you say.